From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, episode 79, for February 18th, 2014. I'm Susan Spraker. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. In today's episode, Susan and I continue our conversation with Tony Manor, the proprietor of Finnegan's Irish Pub and Restaurant and Rebel's Whiskey House. If you have not listened to that episode first, go back to episode 78 and listen to that one first. things that, that has always impressed me is you're not just a business owner. You don't own just a bar and a restaurant. You you are a, are a community builder within your group of, of, um, of, of patrons. That It's more than just come in and, and, and have a very good uh, cheeseburger or a great brunch or a good drink. And it's, it's more than that. It's, and you always seem to be looking for ways to help that community. If that's, you know, when you find out about something, you tell everybody about it. If that's from helping people find jobs or helping people connect with resources, um, it, it, does that d- does that come naturally as a person that also runs a bar and a restaurant, or is that something that you fell into and the group just needs needs that? Tell me about that. Uh, you, when I was a teenager, I was a, I was a selfish person, <laughs> like most teenagers are. You know, <laughs> my world revolved around me, and everyone else's should too. So <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of the way I, you know I was. Um, but I was uh, intensely loyal to the friends that I had. So if uh, did something to one of my friends, you know, I was I was first there to to back him up, and I don't, I you know, I I make apologies for you know some of the things that that I've done and. You know, like I said, I, I was a dirtbag myself, you know, through my teenage years. Um, my wife was uh, a big part of that turnaround. You know, she and I met when we were in our mid-20s. And uh, I realized I wanted to be a better person. And part of that is, you know, surrounding yourself with better people. And my wife was a better person than, uh, you know, some of the people that I surrounded myself with. Uh, she's uh, intensely honest. And I was the opposite. You know, I would tell you anything that you needed to hear in order to get what I wanted from you. And so, I mean, if we're really putting all the cards on the table, (laughs) I wasn't, uh, I didn't have a lot of integrity at the time. Um, So, you know, I I saw that and I realized that, uh, you know, my my life was on a path that was going to end up, you know, in, in no way positive. So because of her, and and the, uh, the new people I started bringing into my life and some of the you know my old friendships and stuff like that lasted because they were actually genuine people too and they were just going through the same transition I was as a kid um but I did have some really good friends some, and I was thinking about one in particular that ended up uh becoming a, a police officer um that said hey you know what you're you're going down a weird place and I really can't continue down that path with you 
and he he broke up with me oh, <laughs> as wow. a friend and yeah. and that was the first kind of brush with uh, integrity that I had with somebody that was my age who said you know what you're I like you as a, as a person but really I can't be around you anymore and um you know I, I realized you know that wasn't enough to to shake me off my my course but it definitely kind of shook me you know it's kind of like wow you know that guy's a jerk <laughs> you know? i've heard that before <laughs> yeah i was like wow no one's ever dumped me before <laughs> um as a friend the and you know i thought i was a good friend but what i didn't realize was my actions reflected on them to to their parents and their families um and their friends and and, and uh so we're saying you know, why do you hang out with that guy mm-hmm. so when i started kind of turning that around um part of that is doing things for other people um, and not expecting something in return just just genuinely helping somebody and once I started doing that I realized how much I enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, to, to reach out to somebody who might not have the the, the tools to change their life um, I figured out some stuff on my own and some stuff uh, was shared to me uh, through mentors I had some really decent people uh, who are part of that transformation people that weren't related because you know you never listen to your relatives right of course not <laughs> I swear what do they know I thought my dad was an idiot until I was in you know my late teens and then I realized <laughs> that he was a genius um, my dad's really smart my mom incredibly smart and you know they they had a handle on on some stuff that it was over my head and I was so ignorant that I didn't realize it was over my head I thought they were just dummies um, so I had these other people who saw something in me and decided that they wanted to be part of, of growing that and pulling that out of me. Uh, you know, things like goal building and, and realizing that I'm not taking anything away from myself by helping somebody else. And they were proving it by doing it to me. You know, they take me out to lunch and buy me lunch and say, Hey, I want to talk to you about something. And share their life experiences and, and try to draw parallels with mine and say, Hey, but I was able to come out of it. And I think you can too. And that was kind of powerful. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time, um, mentoring, uh, people that are now, I I consider friends, uh, that have started businesses and I give them advice or sometimes I help them out for free. I've been a graphic designer for 25 years. Um, so, you know, they need business cards and I knock them out and I find, trade printers that I'd made relationships with and we get them at a discount for them so that they can get their business started. Um, they have questions, they call me up or they send me a text message and all of these things, people don't understand how expensive it is to hire a consultant, but we've billed between 200 and $400 an hour for expertise and you know training and things that I've learned. And yeah, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, that's, you know, that's crazy high end lawyer money, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the advice that I would give would in turn provide them a, a, a ton of money in exchange. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's valuable, but you know, here I am offering it to them for free because I want them to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I did it, the more I liked it. And, um, I'm not saying, you know, I, my, I'm completely altruistic. I, you know, I, I have some selfish moments and things that I need to take care of. And I have a family I need to support and I have a wife that I need to take care of. And, um, you know, so I, I have to take care of my own financial 
responsibilities, but at the same time, if, if I have an opportunity to help somebody, I will. And that has been kind of the cornerstone of what we're doing. Um, it doesn't hurt me to point somebody in the direction for a job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from me. And if I can help out an employer by finding them a good person and I can help out a person by finding them a good job, um, there's no reason to say no to that. And the, the best compliment I think I got was from an employer here in town who said that they would rather go through me than post an ad because they get a better caliber of applicants. Yeah. And I was like, wow. well, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> they say you have good friends. So we'd like to hire through you if that's possible. And, you know, I, we laugh about it and because it's such a weird thing for somebody to tell me I, yeah. I'm, I'm a bar owner. You know, but or, what a compliment. It is. It was, it was, it was phenomenal. And they basically said whoever it was that I sent to them, that's the person they were going to hire. They didn't even interview. They were, you start on Monday. And I was like, geez, you know, <laughs> that, nice. that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, you know, I still get those messages um, today. You know, I had somebody send me a message and say, hey, you know, I just lost my job. You know, where can I go? And earlier in the week, somebody said, hey, we, you know, my company just, you know, fired the placement company that they were using and they're hiring 15 new people. So if you know anyone, send them my way. Yeah. Awesome. Put those things together. They look like a hero. The other person can feed their kids. And, you know, I get to see people, you know, make the best of their life. Yeah. Are you surprised by how that's kind of turned out for you? Because I'm guessing that maybe when you started, you know, and went to open a bar that you might not have anticipated that it would turn into this kind of a community and that you would actually be mentoring people and, and all that that's come out um, to be. Has that been a surprise for you? To be honest, I never really wanted to open a bar. <laughs> that was never the goal. That was the first surprise. Uh, yeah. No, really. The The idea was that my mom would uh, would end up running it and my wife would help her, you know, mm -hmm. while she was taking care of my kids. And I would just continue doing what I was doing, which I loved. Um, the more time I spent in it, and because, like I said, my mom had some health issues and she couldn't be there. Um, I had to come in and, and treat this business as if it were a client. Mm -hmm. um, I, I came in, I was like, well, you know, what are we going to do? You know, and so I started basically, you know, treating it like I was a business consultant and said, okay, well, the first thing you need to do is this, this, and this. Well, we didn't have the payroll, so somebody had to do it. Right. And so um, I started bouncing, you know, so I would spend <laughs> all day at the office and I would come into Finn's and throw my laptop on the, uh, on the bar and I would continue to do some work until about nine o'clock. And then I would jump on the door and be a bouncer until two, three o'clock in the morning. And I would clean up everything and close it. And then back at the office at eight o'clock in the morning, Wow. um, to answer, you know, my client's phone calls and the, the more help that Finn's needed, the, the less I was doing of my other work. And it really started to affect my relationships there. And so, you know, I'm looking at Dina and it's like, it's getting to the point where I'm going to have to make a, a choice between what I'm doing here. And we had sunk so much money into mm -hmm. getting the bar open mm -hmm. and it was something that she could do. So it was, it was either I save Finnegan's and allow Dina to not go back to work or I let Finnegan's fail and go back to doing my job. Um, and it was really tough, man. It was a really hard call to make. And so 
luckily there was kind of this weird time where this is going to be probably the first time anyone said, luckily, the housing bubble popped. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Words you never expect yeah, to hear. It was, uh, it was really weird because so many of our clients were in the financial sector. So um, they were negatively impacted by what was happening with the economy. and Which cuts their consulting budgets. Absolutely. That's the first thing that gets cut. Mm-hmm. And we were watching a lot of our clients... Uh, recycling old artwork so they were calling us up and just saying we don't want to do a new campaign we want to run last year's campaign we just want to reprint it and so you're talking you know going from you know fifty to a hundred thousand dollars down to ten thousand dollars for just the reprint budget and it was like wow you know this is really hurting Um, so I started doing what you know anyone would do at that moment you kind of take an inventory of you know, where your time is best spent. We were watching credit unions that we were dealing with be absorbed by much larger credit unions that had in-house marketing departments. So I was changing gears and I was doing uh, consulting work without doing the marketing work. I was going in and telling them how to retarget their their customers, how to expand on their um, their services inside of their existing marketing, what they call their select employee group, their SEGs, um, inside their SEGs to to really capture as much of the business as they could. And then I'm leaving there and going to fins and scratching my heads going, how do I get more customers? <laughs> <laughs> so um, the funny thing was that I was, I was traveling all over the country and I'm speaking at conventions and I'm telling, you know, these gigantic financial institutions how to get more customers. And I was, you know, writing for magazines and writing for a marketing blog and, and a guest speaker at all these different things. And all of these uh, credit unions were listening to my advice. They were implementing the things that I was telling them to do. And that's, that's an incredibly rewarding feeling. And they were, they were successful. It's interesting to, you know, to write something and six months later drive down the street and see Bank of America is doing what you told them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bank of the West and Wells Fargo, all these, you know, I'm watching my ideas, you know, come to life on these billboards. But then they would come to these conventions and they would realize I was 30 years old and I, and I looked 25 when I was 30. So I look like a kid in an oversized suit, you know, jumping around on stage (laughs) and they're like, Oh my God, what did we do? You know, we've been (laughs) listening to this guy. Um, so it was really kind of funny, and, and I didn't have the energy at that point to, to market myself as a young person. There were already a couple of agencies that were doing that that had their kind of youth marketing um, teams that were going out, and I just didn't have the energy. I was trying to be taken seriously, and, and these teams were showing up in their Chuck Taylors and, and T-shirts and stuff like that, and it's like, mm-hmm. do I want to be that guy? I run this agency, and I've got to be somewhat respectable because I'm dealing with 50 and 60 year old VPs and CEOs. They don't want to see a, a gum popping, you know, 25 year old guy walk in. They, they want that, those people on their team, but they want the person running the boat to be mm-hmm. somebody with some gray hair that knows yeah. how to run a business. They want a suit. Exactly. So, you know, I'm sitting there and it's like, I know what I'm talking about. And I had to, go back and, and take a look at our business and say, well, if I was hired in as a consultant, what would I do? What would I tell me to do? Um, and, and that's the approach I took. And that's why we were able to kind of dig our way out of the hole that we had the first year we were open. But, um, 
it's uh it's been an uh an interesting journey and to answer the question because i kind of wandered around it a little bit as i was kind of thinking about it <laughs> um i didn't want to open a bar i never really wanted to be in the bar business I, I had that stage in my life and I know the, what it takes. I know the late hours that you have to dedicate to it. Um, so basically what I'd said was what I'd really like to do is to continue to help people. So I had to figure out a way to um, turn this business that's notoriously known for basically being a legitimate drug dealer <laughs> into yeah, right. being something that I, I would be proud to do. And that is to help other people. And, you know, I actually went through the whole process to become a police officer at one point, took the test and got sat down with the personnel officer, the sergeant. And he said, you know, we're ready to hire you. We'll make you an offer. But you need to seriously sit down and think if this is what you want to do. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So I went and you know, I talked to my family. This is before my wife and I got together. And he said, uh, my dad told me, he goes, well, if you're doing it for me, don't do it. He goes, make sure it's what you want to do. And he goes, well, why do you want to be a cop? I go, well, I want to help people. He goes, then you might want to look to something else. He goes, a lot of the times the police are called out because there's a problem. And your job is to uh, detain that problem and to put that problem in the back of a car and take that problem to jail. He goes, we don't have a whole lot of time to help people. You know, we can't be as proactive as as you would think he goes we're there for punishment a lot of the times and it's it sucks it's sad because i have so many friends that are police officers and a lot of them get into that business because they do want to make a difference they want to help other people they want to make this this city better and what they find themselves dealing with are, are violent people and and taking you know abusive uh, spouses out of houses in front of you know crying children and and it wrecks them emotionally. Yeah, and so I had to you know, figure out if that was the best path for me or if there was another way I could help people. And so I basically <laughs> turned this bar into a way to help people. And I don't know how that worked out, but um, I but think to the people that are involved, you know, they, hopefully they, they walk away from us better than they walked in. Let's change gears a little bit, Tony. You are pretty vocal in social media um, and with your uh, with your customers in the bar in the community. Um, th is there ever a, an idea of running for public office in the city in your oh, future? Geez. <laughs> you know, people people have mentioned it. I, you know, I everybody has opinions. I have opinions. Mine aren't always right. Um, they evolve as I get older, as I get more perspective, as I get more experience. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, in, a, in, a, in a democratic household, um, you know, and, and I campaigned for Mike Machado and I went door knocking and phone banking and all those kinds of things. Um, as I got older, I thought, you know, switching gears, which, good Lord, the phone call I got from my dad when, when he <laughs> saw the, the voter registration rolls <laughs> and there was it wasn't even an r next to my name there was an i next to my name and he called me up because there was a mistake with your paperwork <laughs> you need to go back in and fix that <laughs> um the 
you know, the, the fact of the matter is that I, I like what I believe most people are is, uh, independent. I, I don't think any party really has all the answers. Um, I think that you kind of, kind of, you have to take it as a case by case basis. And, you know, some cities work well some ways and other cities work well other ways. And when people joke around and say, I should run for city council or for mayor, and I'm assuming they're joking because good Lord, <laughs> that would be such a bad idea. <laughs> um, part of it is, you know, it's, I, I'm actually a pretty private person. And while I, I jump around and I joke with people and I, I talk on Facebook, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to, to go home and turn it off and uh, kind of get away from, from stuff. And, you know, people run into me when I'm out in public and, and they come up and really I feel kind of awkward. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm not in sort of my, my comfort zone of standing out in front of uh, a fins or inside behind the bar or something like that. I'm, I feel kind of exposed and, um, you know, I, sometimes I have my kids with me or my wife with me and I don't necessarily want my kids to, to see me, you know, be crazy or, or, mm -hmm. you know, you know, so much, but, um, I, I'm more at home as a, as a wallflower, you know, at a party, I'm the guy sitting in the chair watching everybody else, you know, have a good time. And I'm completely comfortable in that role. Um, it's not, you know, I'm not wishing I could be, you know, the life of the party. I'm, I'm very comfortable watching everybody else have a good time. And I think that's the, the role I adopted at Finns is I like to stand at the front and, and see you as you're coming in and, and shake your hand as you're going out and, and feel like you got the best experience that you could. Um, but <laughs> me in, pu in public life, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I can't say that it, it's not a possibility. It's just, you know, when I talk to my wife about it and I, I, I tell her that, you know, that I just can't, I don't think I could live under that kind of spotlight mm -hmm. right now. The spotlight's on me until I run away and I hide behind something. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're in public life, you don't really have the freedom to hide because you're, you're on the public's time yeah you know the, as long as you're in office you belong to the public now i can you know people joke around that you know around midnight or whatever i'll jump in my car and i go get a coffee and you know in the middle of the night i'm you know the people at mcdonald's know me by name and they they start a fresh pot when they see me pull into the drive-thru <laughs> <laughs> which i love them thanks uh, penelope and yannet and all those people <laughs> at mcdonald's john and, and everybody um they, uh, you know, they're, they're good kids and, you know, they, they treat me well. Um, the part of that is because, you know, I, I have to step away. It's, it's quite a bit, you know, and everybody that comes to fence, I, I, you know, I love them. I, you know, I talk to them, I try to get them to know them all by name and they, you know, they'll give me a hug or, you know, shake my hand and stuff like that. But, um, it's, you know, like I said, my personality is to sit back and not be that the spokesperson or the, or the face and to magnify that, you know, I, I only represent 8,000 people. That's how many people are on the guest list, you know, as 8,000 people. And once you're on the guest list, you're always on the guest list. I know that was one of the questions that, that was posed earlier. Um, you know, you don't have to get on the guest list every single time you come out, but once you're part of the, of our group, I feel responsible for you. So if I see you wandering mm -hmm. through the parking lot, I'm going to go grab you and, bring you back or put you in a cab as best I could and be as responsible a person as I can be under the circumstances. Um, but I don't know that I could 
be on 100% of the time, I'd probably lose my mind. Hmm. I, <laughs> you know, I would probably be, I used to joke and say, you know, you think Stockton's on the news now? Make me mayor. <laughs> 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 Jesus, I'd be an embarrassment. <laughs> I, sometimes I don't know when to shut up and who knows what will come out of my mouth. <laughs> what do you like about Stockton, Tony? What's your Stockton story? How long have you been here? I grew up in Stockton. I was born in the county hospital. Um, I used to skateboard through the parking lot of Finns, where Finns is now. Nice. Um, my, my, both of my parents smoked and, and, and you know, Back in the 80s, you could send your kid to go buy you cigarettes at the store. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but sometimes they were, it was in that transition period that they stopped doing that. Or I'd, I'd bring a note from my parents. I'd say, please sell my son two packs of cigarettes. Yep. <laughs> and they would. Um, but sometimes they wouldn't. And I would still have the money in my pocket. And what I would do is if I, I would hit one or two places. And if they wouldn't sell me cigarettes, I'd ride my skateboard over to Flynn's the first location of, of Finnegan's and they had a cigarette machine right when you opened up the door and I would have to brace myself because I knew I only had about a minute before somebody would come and check, but I'd open the door, run to the cigarette machine, put in my money, <laughs> pull the lever to get the cigarettes out. And then I'd run out before the bartender could come and get me <laughs> I'm <laughs> 10 years old, riding my skateboard up and down the street, um, trying to find smokes. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, that's, that was Stockton to me. And, and, you know, different parts of my life, I lived all over town. And I think that's probably what surprises people the most is that, you know, I've lived on the west side and I've lived on, you know, the east side and I've lived all the way down by 12th Street. And, you know, I've lived all the way north to Murata and all points in between. Um, I've had jobs all over town. You know, I I worked at the, the Shell gas station that's across the street from where Finns is now. And, you know, Office Max and... I worked at a couple of places in Tracy and I worked at the Manteca water slides and I worked at, I was a dog groomer for like two years. Oh, and wow. nice. <laughs> I think that's the one that surprises people the most is I used to, you know, clip poodles <laughs> and the lady who taught me is still a friend of mine and I still love them and, and their staff comes into Finns. So all these relationships that I've had uh, growing up in Stockton, I still have them, mm-hmm. you know, these, these people are around and, and, you know, they did the, uh, Stockton Record did the 40 Under 40 um, magazine, a yeah. lifestyle magazine, and, and I was in there. And one of the questions they asked was, um, you know, why why are you still in Stockton? And it's it's very cool to be able to take your kids around town to the parks that you used to play in when you were a kid mm-hmm. and tell them stories. It's like, oh, there was this one time. Yeah, I was at this park and this happened or, you know, I used to come here when I was a kid. I w- used to work at dad's dogs and, you know, wow. to take my kids to dad's dogs and say, I used to work here when I was yeah. you know 16 years old. And, you know, there used to be an arcade here and they're like, what's an arcade? It's kind of like a place where we is everywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, it was that was before Tipton's moved and became Naughty right. Nick's. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so there's. There's very, it's a very cool thing to be able to share your childhood. My mom did it with me. You know, she took me to Lincoln Elementary and said, this is where I went to elementary school. And, you know, to, to make those connections, you know, is, is awesome. And to, to have roots that go that deep into a community is, mm-hmm. is awesome as well. Um, to, you know, go and say, I remember when that used to be orchards. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm that old guy now. <laughs> I yeah. remember when Walmart wasn't there and it was all orchards out there. Yeah. So I don't know. It's uh, Stockton's kind of part of me. And, you know, I joke with my wife when we've got a town for too long that, 
you know, we would go into my wife's from San Diego, uh, a very small town next to the beach. And, you know, you see these little kids walking around and they're suburban gangsters. (laughs) 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 And you kind of look at them and you scratch your head. It's like, wow, this is what passes for a gangster in this town. Maybe we should move here. But (laughs) 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 we, uh, you know, we we end up coming back and and you know it, it it never stops feeling like home and as much as it's nice to get away sometimes uh you know it's it's always kind of comforting to come back yeah all right tony well uh why don't you you know tell tell our listeners where they can find out more about uh, about Finnegans if they, if they don't already know where to find out about Finnegans. <laughs> you can google us um <laughs> that was actually for the staff uh, it's an ongoing joke somebody told me that i wasn't tony and i said i don't really know how to answer that dude uh, <laughs> i suppose you can google me uh, <laughs> but um you can go to finpub.com it's f i n n p u b um and that's our basic general website. If you want to see what I'm doing personally, you can go to facebook.com forward slash finpub, and that's my personal page. Um, right now, I, like I said, I'm maxed down on friends until Zuckerberg uh, gets the hair out of his butt and lets me have more. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of stuck with that. But the 209guestlist.com will forward you to our, our other page, and I do try to duplicate my post on that one so that the people that are coming in mm-hmm. still get to see what we're doing and if i have job openings i still post them there great well uh for those of our listeners that don't know where uh, the two places we've talked about are finnegan's irish pub and restaurant is at 6002 pacific avenue and rebels whiskey house is just a uh, couple blocks away at 6252 pacific avenue and we'll put links in the show notes to all the things that uh, tony mentioned tony thanks again for coming on the podcast talking well thanks for having me out Thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton. We'd love to hear your feedback. Call us on our listener line at 565-3229, email us at podcaststockton at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook or Twitter, username Podcast Stockton. And thanks again to Tony for coming on the show and sharing his story with us. Um, For all things related to Finnegan's, go to finpub.com. Also go to podcaststockton.com and check out all of the links to all of the things that we talked about in the show. Until next time, make it great, Stockton. Stockton.